0: Welcome to the Synapse Nips podcast, where we explore the power of health and healing. On this podcast, we will be talking with health experts, professionals, and leaders about hot topics in the world of health, whether it's tools to help you flourish, successful stories to inspire, or tips to optimize your health. Synapse Nips is here to help you take the first steps towards living your best life.
1: snap Snips I'm dr. Troy this is uh, Marquis and dr. Josh as well with us today and we are going to be talking supplements so there's a there's a big topic here there's a lot to discuss um, when it comes to supplements and uh, we've we've spoken about the need for supplements if you will and we've always said that the supplements are meant to supplement a healthy diet and lifestyle so, they shouldn't be priority in your life, but they should be a good complement to your life. But having said that, there's a big difference in the quality of supplements and the types of supplements. So let's dissect that a little bit, lean into it, and uh, just see what we come up with in the in
2: the conversation today. So what's, uh, what's uh, on the top of your mind when it comes to supplements first? I didn't know. When I was growing up, and I think a lot of people have this experience too, that supplements can vary so widely between manufacturer, between whether it's practitioner grade or not. You know, it's easy to think that every supplement or every type of nutrient within a supplement is equal. And there's so many different variables, especially when we look. If you walk through a grocery store that has supplements, you'll see 85 different B vitamin supplements, right? How do you know which one is which? And it's easy to think that they're all pretty equivalent, but that's not true. I, I see all the time, especially with lab work and blood work, where we'll look at markers of either vitamin D or B vitamin things, and a person will be deficient even though they're taking something. And it's, I think it's, it's worth having some knowledge about the quality and the and the types of supplements and what you're taking, how you're taking it—it's a lot, a lot of different things. But it's it's not immediately obvious, I think, to people who don't take supplements on a regular basis. Yeah, and and people
1: um, may not be aware that the supplement industry is an unregulated industry. So there isn't there isn't really a regulation board or anything like that. And there's been uh, different. Uh, groups within the, the the politicians that have tried to pass um, uh, regulation boards or have it funder fall under the guise of uh, the, either the medical association or the, even the pharmaceutical industry. And that's always been challenged because of just more of a trust thing, actually. And so uh, uh, what, uh, having said that, uh, we then have to look at the other side of that coin, which is, Just unclean product. And so there is a a big, big difference. So just because it says something on the label does not mean that that's in the bottle. I'll give you an example. Some of our more reputable companies uh, a few years back sent out a letter and uh, they had within their facility uh, their containers of uh, supplements had their label on it. Everything looked like it was from their company. And then when they opened up the The bottle, it was um, anything but their product. It was sawdust-filled capsules when it was supposed to be a pill. It turns out a lot of these supplements were being sold on Amazon. So generally speaking, we, uh, I myself, don't like to um, use Amazon for supplements. I always encourage people to go directly to the source uh, or the company, and that's simply because there are some very nefarious people in the world that will take uh, highly reputable companies and actually uh, put a product in there that's just not what what's supposed to be so so just know that because of the unregulated market there's not a lot of consequences to to places uh, like this uh, having said that um, maybe let's talk a little bit
2: about some of the qualities of a good supplement company then yeah. For a long time, back in my old life in Colorado, I I did interface with a lot of supplement companies and got to know, and I know you've done this as well, got to know some of the ins and outs of the manufacturing process. It's actually surprisingly easy for a person to go online, find a generic supplement manufacturer, private label some supplement that exists without having any idea about the quality of that manufacturer. And a lot of manufacturers are, especially online, they're fronts for the same big kind of conglomeration of manufacturing and you just have no idea how good a quality they have within their manufacturing facility there's no way to really vet that they can give you certificates of analysis and say hey we test this for these things and unless you can actually walk through and see how are these companies doing that stuff and build trust with those companies, you just don't know. I know that you have experience with that with a specific company. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah.
1: So uh, years ago, um, I started looking at different companies, and uh, I had the opportunity of touring a facility uh, with USANA Health Sciences, and they, number one, allowed me to tour it. And uh, I learned a lot in that process. So I kind of use them as the benchmark, and they have been the benchmark for me uh, in assessing other uh, companies as far as uh, the purity part of it. And I'm just going to go through some highlights there. Uh, Number one, they let me tour the facility, and they manufactured as much of uh, uh, their ingredients in-house as possible. And I learned a lot about sourcing of raw ingredients. Where you source the raw ingredients matters. A lot of these companies headquarters are in Utah because of the salt flats and the, just the minerals and things that are that come from that region for the general uh, supplements. But uh, sourcing matters, and uh, one of the things I was really impressed with is that they would go out as a company and teach the people that source the raw ingredients how to source it uh, in a clean way, not using chemicals to, to break it down not and, and source it more appropriately. Also, within their facility, they had a section of rejected raw materials, so they test all of their raw materials to make sure it's uh, clean uh, enough and it's rejected, and... Um, One of the stories I share often is uh, of another doctor that I was uh, speaking with who went to other facilities as well and saw right on their bags of raw ingredients rejected by USANA stamped on that bag. And that's what they were using for their raw ingredients because it passed their quality control. So different companies have different levels of quality control. And this is a weird thing, but one of the things that stuck out when I was touring the facility was uh, how clean it was. And then they had this white line across the whole manufacturing uh, facility where they stored their ingredients. And I asked them, what is that white line for? And uh, they said, oh, that's for us to detect if we have any type of a mouse problem because they have someone who walks along the facility and looks along the wall there. And if there's mouse droppings, they know they have a mouse in the facility, which is step one to contamination issues. And so every day they check for mouse turds <laughs> how would you like to have that job <laughs> i would <laughs> no but that was so impressive to me uh, and then within the facility their quality control um, as far as how they actually package the supplements once it's done they actually control the air in the facility and um, because they found that the fibers of the boxes that they used could contaminate the actual supplements so the, for me they've always been the gold standard as far as the cleanliness part of it um, there's much more to to uh, to that component, and they use third-party sources, as do other companies, when it comes to uh, verifying what's on the label is in the bottle. And so,
2: let's talk a little bit about that, maybe. Sure. Well, one thing I wanted to mention real quick too is um, cost and price, because what you're describing is a good a good example of why costs for higher quality supplements yeah. exist. And a lot of people will go and say, well, I'm going to get the cheapest B vitamin that I can get just from an efficiency standpoint. Because if you look at the label, again, it's hard to differentiate between the B vitamin that's 10 bucks and the B vitamin that's 30 bucks. Yeah. But the quality of those ingredients, even though it says the same thing on the label, and the controls around that is really what you're paying for. You're paying for the, the certainty, typically, especially if you're going through a, a company that caters to professionals Yes, you're paying for that certainty that what you're getting is really what's on the label. It's like going to a restaurant mm-hmm. and getting organic food versus non-organic. Yeah, you can get a burger from McDonald's or you can get a burger from a high-end restaurant, and it's they're both burgers. Yes, but it's a different experience, and yeah. you're paying to paying for something different. What was your other question? Um, just some of the labels, like uh, the USP.
1: Uh, okay. I can actually read yeah, this is this is right on the label, so this is something you can look for for. Um, Some of the supplements is making sure that it's manufactured uh, within the facility, number one. So this one uh, comes from a product from USANA. It says manufactured by USANA Health Sciences, and it has got the address. It's laboratory-tested, quality-guaranteed, meets USB specification for uniformity, potency, and disintegration where applicable. So some companies, like USANA and a few others, will actually treat the products like pharmaceutical companies do and so that uh, guaranteed potency and that the, the uniformity and the it'll actually disintegrate so it's bioavailable is really really key and you'll see some companies also are in uh, what's called the PDR or the physician's desk reference and Usana was the first company to go to go in there and now there's many uh, and they've kind of set a good trend over the last 25 years of cleaner and cleaner products and there is a pretty significant difference between those companies that are in the PDR with the USP and have outside uh, sources that will actually assess their uh, supplements independently uh, compared to those who just you know package it up and they get the raw ingredients and package it up in their facility, that's not quite as, as clean.
2: So even though, like you had mentioned before, there isn't an overarching regulatory body like the FDA for supplements, mm-hmm. good supplement companies do self-regulate, and yes. they use third-party testing and certifications to have people come in and prove that their manufacturing practices and their ingredients are up to snuff. So you can still trust that. Uh, yeah. if, you don't, if you've don't, if you got a supplement that doesn't have any indication of manufacturing quality, that's doesn't, it's not a guarantee that it's bad, but it's not a guarantee that it's good either. No, you just don't know. That's any the problem. Yeah. And I will say, the last time I was at
1: the facility in utah the fda had just been there and they were touring the um the manufacturing facility and um they made a comment uh because they asked why are you why are you here and their comment was uh training they were training one of their new people on what it should look like mm-hmm. and so that is although there's not a regulatory board they were there doing that uh uh, doing that training which I also thought was pretty um, that pretty good a lot, right? yeah it speaks yeah. a lot and I've I have asked other um, companies if I can tour their manufacturing facility and they say either we don't have one or no so I've only been in uh, three
2: manufacturing facilities and so that that also speaks uh, speaks volumes It does yeah so I'm talking about quality we should talk about fillers yes thanks too so fillers are the inactive ingredients or other ingredients that are listed kind of on the bottom of the label. And different companies go out of their way to even, for instance, pure encapsulations, they're named because of the purity of their fillers. Really, That's one of the big things. And this is, again, where you look through, uh, take vitamin D supplements. A lot of vitamin D supplements are going to be in a gel cap with oil inside. The type of oil inside does make a difference. Some companies will use the cheapest thing, a corn oil or a soybean oil, that you don't know the quality of that, where most higher end companies will use olive oil or some some sort of higher quality type of thing. and that that goes that's true for for powdered supplements, for you know, things in capsules or tablets. those fillers can be cheap or they can and really, I should mention this too. The reason why they have fillers in the first place are two two reasons, at least from from my knowledge. One is to make it easier to fill capsules mm-hmm. because they need often some sort of agent to make it flow through the system better when they're mixing stuff. Yes. Yeah, and the second one is just as a more what the filler would would sound like is an extra extra amount of stuff, so it looks like your capsule's full. Yeah, and that's really it. Like, <laughs> do I really need all of this filler when I yeah. can just have something that's tiny?
1: And the people who are uh, who have sensitivities tend to. Um, be more reactive to fillers. So even if you have a good, clean product, but excuse me, has a filler in there, you can react to the filler. And for us trying to discern, we oftentimes will say when someone has a reaction, is it a good, positive detoxification reaction? Is it a reaction because that supplement's not good for them? Is it a reaction to the fillers of that supplement? And so the brand matters. So sometimes we'll switch the brand and see if that does a trick. Sometimes we'll switch the formula part of it um, and sometimes we'll keep them going because it's an actual good detoxification. But trying to discern through that it can be a challenge. The cleaner the product or the more the more we are working with something we know, it's easier. Because people, the hardest thing is people will come in on new supplements all the time, and if I've not worked with that supplement, I say, well, I don't know anything about that company. So I either have to dig into the company, research the company and the product, and, and to Josh's uh, point earlier, Many of these companies have a private label, but they use the same manufacturer. So one manufacturer may distribute the same product under 50 different companies. And so once we identify that, and I may have worked with that in the past, and I know at least the manufacturer. So the, the, the fillers are such a big deal. And I'm just going to say this. People who have known food allergies are more likely to react to fillers. People who have animal dander allergies are more likely to react to the oils when they're not good, especially cat allergies. A lot of my people with cat sensitivities and cat allergies can't handle the oils uh, that they use in
2: the, the capsule, so you have to find something a little different. Yeah. So let's talk next about another variation. It has to do with the specific nutrients inside of it. I've got a favorite example of mine. It's B vitamins. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a favorite of mine because I have a genetic thing where I need specific B vitamins in order to keep homocysteine down. Which yes. I won't go into that right now. But B12 and folate, for example, are two different types of B vitamins that can be in different formats. And the different formats dictate how your body is going to use those once it gets inside of your cell. The cheaper versions are requiring more steps of activation inside of your body in order for it to be used. Some people can do that fairly efficiently, but other people, like myself, I can't. And so I need more activated, higher quality nutrients of B vitamins in order to get that into my body and have my body take fewer steps in order to use it. Lots of different nutrients are this way too. B6 can be this way. Different types of magnesium can be this way. Um, and so scrutinizing and knowing what types of nutrients am I looking at for my specific problems is an important thing.
1: Yeah, and that's that's a real um,
2: big difference from uh,
1: supplements. A lot of times if, and, and you're talking about the methylated B vitamins uh, for the most yep. part, like uh, for example, B12 is there's cyanocobalamin and then there's methylcobalamin and certain percentage of people um, require Methylcobalamin to actually have it be more functional in the body, and and you might be having seeing a decrease of conversion of maybe only fourteen to sixteen percent, but that could lead to anemia or elevated homocysteine, which has its uh, risk factors associated with it, and then other other issues and problems as well. So it is very important if you're going to supplement to try and find the one that works best with you, and sometimes it is. Mm-hmm a slightly less clean product that actually has the right form that will actually work best for you. And sometimes it's the it doesn't matter if it's the right form and it's a cleaner product, and that works best for you. So that's where the discernment through the supplements can be a, a little tricky, and there is no one supplement that works for everyone. That just doesn't exist. Do you have any basic supplements that you tend to recommend more? Yeah, so in general, I will Uh, omega-3 oils, which I would like to dive into that because there's a huge difference with that. Um, And uh, up here in the north, vitamin D and multiples, uh, multiple vitamin. But that's when you have all the holes filled. So generally speaking, what I like to do is if I'm assessing someone, I look at the specifics they need, and they may need to take something to fill the hole, so to speak, for three to six months, depending on what it is, and um, trying to work on the root cause of why they may have become deficient or why their need is more for that particular supplement. As we're working on that, if it's something that can be addressed relatively quickly, then I get them on the the for life program, whatever it is for them, which is generally a multiple, uh, generally a fish oil, and then there will be either probiotic or vitamin D, something like that. And then something usually, is usually one where there's a genetic component that uh, that uh, we, they need support with that. Yeah. So, and I like I like to keep people on the the smallest number of supplements that actually get the drink done. Yeah. So I, I I'm not a fan of just over supplementation. That is as big a problem as under supplementation. It's bigger actually.
2: Oh we do see that too a lot. And yeah. and that's I think it's justifiable when people are trying to fix a chronic health condition themselves. It's easy to go online and find oh, yeah. resources and say, I'm going to try this thing and that thing and this thing and that thing. And some people need temporarily a higher level of supplementation in order, like you said, to to fill in those gaps in order to get them healthy again. Yeah. But I tell I people the same thing. I just had this conversation yesterday it's like, we need this now. I hope to not need this. We need to get your body into a place where we don't need these support systems in order to work. But, there is even situations where people will come in on fifty, sixty, seventy supplements. Yes, and that's it's it's very similar. It's a very similar situation to even pharmaceuticals, where if you get too many pharmaceuticals, you can get side effects and interactions. Yeah. You can have that with with supplements too. Yeah,
1: historically with pharmaceuticals, the research shows if you're on one medication, there's a ten percent chance of a side effect, two medications, fifty percent chance of a side effect, three or more one hundred percent chance of a side effect. With supplements, I've not seen any literature with that, but uh, I know that I have pulled people off of many, many supplements, and they've either felt better or there's been no change. And we do that oftentimes to kind of clean things up to see what's truly needed. And and truthfully, most of the times it's really a mental thing because by taking the supplements, they think they're covering something, Mm in their health and they're, they're more concerned about it. And so it does take trust uh, to get off of those things because at some point in time they did take them and there was a tremendous impact at that time. But you don't know if that's still happening if it's two years later, three years later. So it, it's good to get that clarity as far as coming off of the, the supplements. And uh, I do recommend doing a supplement fast if you're on a bunch of them um, and then bring them back one at a time to try and see if you can measure impact.
2: Yeah. I tell people a lot that I get as much information with you stopping a supplement yes. than when you start one and take one. Absolutely, because if you start if you stop something that you've been taking forever and you feel better, we can explain hopefully why that is based on what you were taking, and the the reverse can be true also that you stop taking something and you feel worse than it was being supportive. Yeah. You said you wanted to jump into fish
1: oil a little bit. Yeah, Let's so fish oil is my, is my soapbox because uh, when it comes to sourcing, um, there's minerals and stuff in, in uh, Utah and Salt Lake City, like I was saying. But when it comes to fish oil, where they get their fish oil from matters, number one. Uh, number two, if they're getting it from fish uh, that's a, a bottom feeder uh, on the ocean, uh, we are seeing a lot of pollutants and chemicals that get into the ocean, heavy metals in particular, Heavy metals are heavy, so they actually fall down to the plants uh, that are deeper in in the waters. And so those fish can be toxic with certain chemicals. So the fish oil industry needs to, the the supplements need to have the word distilled on there. You have to distill out the, the impurities when it comes to the fish oil. And the good companies will say double distilled, even triple distilled. And um, the really good companies will actually have a comment about mercury uh, within either on the label or within their literature. And, again, going back to USANA Health Sciences, which is one of the companies that does a good job with this, is they actually assess, look for, and and um, guarantee the, the removal of the mercury. And so you don't want to be taking the fish oil, for the anti-inflammatory immune uh, benefits and then congesting your system with contamination issues of uh, of pollutants that are in the ocean that are in the fish. And when we have a pollutant that we're exposed to, if you don't get it out of the body, it gets stored in fat. We're literally taking the fat from these fish and consuming them. So anything that they're not getting rid of, they're storing in that fat as well. And we we can measure these, these pollutants. They're in the oils. That's why you have to do... a a purified process uh, with the oils, and you, I see these mega jugs of fish oils. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. yeah, and uh, it just drives me nuts because uh, it, it's one of those ones
2: where you have to go clean with the fish oils. You just you just have to. It's cost effective because those companies don't go through the process no. of doing yeah, the clean, mean. and so they don't have to charge as much. <laughs> I saw. I saw. A process where they literally
1: just compressed and pressed the fish, and then uh, and then got the juices basically. So it was <laughs> it was the juices and the oil mixed mixed together as part of the process. And it was not a good extraction process at all, That's and great. so it was it was very uh, eye opening as far as the difference between the high end companies and the very very low end companies when it came to the fish oils, cold pressed fish juice. Yes,
2: yeah. <laughs> it's not a health trend I want to get involved with. It's, it's not. <laughs> all right. So I have people tell me a lot when they come in. How do I know what supplements oh, I should yeah. take? My answer is usually having to do with their symptoms and priorities and also their lab work.
1: Yeah.
2: It's very hard to know what you're shooting at for supplements if you don't have a good way of analyzing what do my sy- symptoms mean and what am I what are my lab tests telling me yes. that I need to shoot for. Are there any other things that you coach people on as far as how to take or how to know what supplements to take?
1: Yeah, because there's
2: so much information
1: out right now that you can look up Uh, almost any vitamin, mineral, or even herb at this point and say, Ooh, this will be good for me. Mm -hmm. And that's the trap. Uh, There was a time when we didn't have that information and there was a time we were much, much more uh, nutrient uh, deficient. So you have to have some guiding rationale for your decision-making when it comes to the actual supplementation. And so uh, if you are trying to get more physically fit You can look at things like endurance in the gym. You can look at things like strength in the gym. Uh, You can look at things like blood pressure or lab markers or uh, go ahead and continue to to get some level of functional assessment to see is this helping or hurting, especially when you combine it with a true lifestyle program. And and then uh, if you don't know what to take, you can look at your options with research, but uh, you've got to have some marker of of uh, gains being made, and that that's a big big thing. Um, and don't and it takes time. It, it's not supplements are not medications. Medications are made to be more potent. Now because of that, they're more fast acting in general, and they also come with greater side effects. Supplements are more slow acting in general um, because they're not as uh, uh, refined, if you will. And they're part of a system. They're meant to, to, to supplement the inner workings of your cellular activity, which means that, that then that process has to start up. And there could be something else that needs to be addressed uh, within that process. So give it time. My general rule of thumb is most supplements need to be taken for three months, and depending on what we're dealing with. But general, this is very generally speaking, three months, Uh, to see if there's a change. And then some people are just very, very slow with that. My wife is one in particular where she will actually try something for six months before she makes the determination of how good it was for her uh, because she generally is just slower with a a lot of – I better finish that sentence. She's she's generally slower with how she metabolizes – uh, uh, things and uh, when it comes to uh, the impact it just takes a little bit longer in
2: her in her system. For some people it has to do with gut health too. Because yes, you can yeah. take a great supplement and if your gut is inflamed you're not going to absorb that stuff one bit. Yeah. yeah, There's two levels of absorption. You guys have to absorb nutrients through your gut and that has to
1: get into the bloodstream and then it has to be absorbed into the cell. Whatever cell it is. A muscle cell, a heart cell, a brain cell. That nutrient then has to get into that cell. And so it can break down through any part of that pathway.
2: And so that's that's important to remember. There's two levels of absorption that have to be achieved. As a side note, that's the reason why we use IV therapy. Yeah. For some people who can't absorb nutrients well right off the bat with, the, with oral supplementation, or even sometimes we'll use yeah. a liquid, we'll use a sublingual. There are other delivery methods. We were just talking about a cream-based product this morning during our red flag meeting that that we use. Mm. Uh, But the delivery method um, matters. Yeah. Anything else you want to say about delivery method? Are there times other than digestive uh, issues that you would opt for a liquid or a powder versus a pill?
1: Um, Yeah, so sometimes people can't swallow pills, and I'm just going to say that that can be retrained. There's a lot you can actually do with that. Um, there are sometimes the fillers in the pills and the tablets are the problem. So we go to a liquid if it's available. And then um, a lot of, there's a lot of claims by companies that liquids are more quickly absorbed and stuff like that, which can be true, but they could also end up not being transferred properly uh, to the cells. So if you have something that's absorbed through your upper GI very quickly because it's a liquid – but actually can't make the transit all the way to the cells. It's really defeating the purpose beyond helping you feel better in the digestive system or digestive tract. Mm -hmm. So um, I'll, I I will, that's very patient specific as far as what, uh, what type of delivery system um, we use, but I'm liking the fact that they are coming up with different types
2: of delivery systems for the different supplements. Yeah. I find that's an issue (coughs) I find that's an issue with kids and dealing with children. Yes, is when a, when a kid comes to us, and we see a lot of kids. If they have a health concern, it is much more difficult to coax them into taking supplements. Yeah. Pills, in particular, most kids, especially pre-puberty, aren't aren't going to swallow a supplement. That's a rare kid that will do that. So finding powders and liquids and these other and that's a challenge. Yeah. I, I'm dealing with that right now with a few people where we have to try to find the correct balance of nutrients. And really scour different, you know, different companies to find the correct things because there's a lot there's not a lot of companies that cater to that specific. No, company. no, and there
1: uh, there's two things I want to touch on here. One is let's give some uh, practical guidance for parents who are trying to get some supplements to their kids that won't eat them. And number two, um, the, the the company we were talking about before, in Health Sciences, actually has a product for teenagers. And if you look. There really isn't a lot of multiple supplements or multiple vitamins for teenagers because they don't take them. <laughs> you know, they, they end up in the plants, <laughs> and they end up in the soil in the house. So you've got these healthy plants uh, because of how teenagers are are dumping their, their the supplements. But um, this particular company decided to still do it, even though they they don't necessarily make any profit from it. it they're still in you know teenagers. And there's a need still, so. Um, That's number one. Number two, um, what are some of the tricks to get uh, kids to to
2: take supplements when it's needed? What have you got on to top tri- of your head? My trick is rotating different supplements. Yeah, because one one month my kid will take a gummy, and then it'll be a hard chewable, and then maybe it'll be a liquid. I actually have a few things on hand, yeah, and I don't force it either. You know, yeah. I. I my kids are, are good at having, a, especially for their age, a pretty good diet. So yeah. I think that's a more important thing is to try Absolutely. to find a well-rounded diet, which, again, is challenging with, yeah. with kids as they grow. Um, but, but being able to rotate through different products, um, the most extreme thing I ever had to do was um, I was working with a kid who, if he tasted anything, he wouldn't take it. Yeah. So his mom and I devised a solution where she would take basically a vat of water and we would mix in powders and liquids to to a degree where the kid wouldn't taste it. Yeah. But because he drank enough water through the day, he would get some nutrients. It made a huge difference for that kid over time. And it took, like you said, it took took a lot of time. Yeah. It did take longer, but there's always, there's always a trick. Yes. It's just that not all of them are very convenient. Yeah, and you have to you have to stick with it. Um, some of the things that
1: you can do, uh, applesauce is one of our go tos for kids when they you know might change the flavor of the applesauce a little bit, but that can be used. Yeah. Um, I had uh, with my kids when they were younger. I had one that had to be on a supplement that was not. It didn't smell very good, and uh, I've used this with many of my patients as well. But we'd have. Uh, a uh, actual smoothie that we'd put together, and yeah. we'd have smoothie yeah. Sunday or these little little tiny smoothies. And the first smoothie um, didn't have anything in it yeah. except for the smoothie, yeah. and they loved it. Yeah. And then after you find out that they love it, that's when you do little tiny smoothie shots with the the, the supplement in there never That'd thought of smoothie good. shots. I like smoothie that shots, yeah. yeah. That's a good one. Yeah, happy hour at Synapse, smoothie shots. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's been a very effective one as well um, for me. And then I, I encourage people to just own a mortar and pestle so that you can, if there's tablets that they can't swallow, uh, you can break them up and then get that into the smoothie or whatever it is for the, the kids that, that they're able to consume. That's
2: a good point. A lot of capsules can be opened too. Yeah. And so for kids with specific nutrient requirements. Yeah. And this is a pet peeve of mine, actually, especially multivitamins for younger kids. They don't even have a full complement of no, nutrients. No, They'll miss B vitamins. They're going to miss some fat-soluble vitamins. They won't have it. Yeah. So I'll give adult supplements to kids where you br- open up the capsule, give a partial dose, mixed in, like you said, some sort of carrier like a smoothie yeah. or an applesauce. Yeah. Um, you want to talk about dose yeah,
1: let's talk about doses and uh, then some of the regulatory um, uh, misinformation. I'm going to say as far as just what is considered. Just to, let's clean up and clear up a little bit of the um, why you see on a label uh, a B12 and it says twelve thousand uh, percent
2: the RDA. So let's talk. Oh, we should that talk a little bit. little bit about how the RDAs are established. Yeah. And, uh, I don't have all of this immediately off the top of my head, so we'll piece this together. But my understanding is the RDA is really trying to catch the bare minimum. Yes. It's trying to make sure that everybody has enough nutrients to not get a deficiency disease.
1: Yeah. So
2: deficiency disease for like for vitamin C is scurvy, scurvy. where yeah. you have so little vitamin C that the connective tissue inside of your body starts to fall apart. Yeah. And you can get bleeding gums and you can get types of issues like that. That's a sign of scurvy. All nutrients will have a deficiency style disease in that way. And the government really is only trying to, like I said, hit the bare minimum for mm-hmm. not even, it's not even necessarily 100% of the people. I think it's no. 80 or 90% to make sure that those people don't get those diseases. It is not about optimal function one no. bit. And so those percentages are only based off of off of that bare minimum recommendation yes and some supplement companies that'll say hey look we're 100 percent of everything So like, well 100 percent of everything isn't 100 percent perfect for any given person yes. necessarily yeah it's, it's not going to optimize things at all oh.
1: so we we do see a pretty big uh, difference um with the basement uh rda let's prevent scurvy and um, what what happens when you're trying to fight off a viral infection? When it comes to vitamin C, yeah. it can be literally twenty thousand times the amount of vitamin C that exactly. you need to, to take to actually have an impact there. So, so there's a lot of variability there. So uh, I encourage people to to understand that as much as they can, so they don't get too
2: freaked out by the numbers yeah. they see on the label. That's one reason why the label gives a dose recommendation or is recommended by your healthcare provider. Yes, because we'll often Go far beyond that recommendation oh, and yeah. change it in one way or another. And the viral the viral thing is a good a good um, example. Allergies are a good example. Yes. I use um, antihistamine supplements that are usually one to two pills a day for short periods. I'll do eight yes. sometimes more yeah. than that, you know, just to try to see. And that's a good way too of trying to gauge change in a supplement. And we usually, I you know, I'd only recommend this under supervision, but getting higher than recommended doses for a short period of time can speed up the process sometimes in getting yeah. information about effectiveness. Absolutely. Yeah, so the, yeah, the dosing
1: is uh, um, very, very important to just understand as far as the label, what it's meaning, and, and, and most importantly, again, is having awareness of how
2: you how much it's impacting your overall well-being. I think we should say too about the potential for overdosing on supplements. Yeah, because that's a much different thing than, than pharmaceuticals. Yeah, nutrients are inherently much safer than pharmaceuticals for yes. some of the reasons you outlined. Most of them, if you were to accidentally take a high dose once, isn't typically cause for concern. Now they'll say too if a kid swallows an iron too much of an iron supplement. Yeah. That's why iron supplements have lockable uh, yeah. tops on them. There are some some reasons for why you would want to be careful with this. Um, but for the most part, like you said, vitamin C high-dose, vitamin D will do that high-dose for a short period of time. A lot of these nutrients are, uh, especially vitamins and minerals, inherently quite safe.
1: Yeah, water-soluble, Yeah, exactly. you you end
2: up peeing them out. Yeah, exactly. That can change a little bit when you get into herbs, Yeah, where herbs toe the line a little bit in my mind between nutrients and pharmaceuticals, where they can be quite potent, and you don't want to take high doses without supervision.
1: And there's a lot of books out there with herb and drug interactions, So there's a lot more information, and herbs will interact with medications uh, a little more than, than uh, minerals and, and, and vitamins. So there is a very big difference with herbs, and we, we tend to have to look at side effects a little bit more with herbs than other
2: yeah. supplements. A lot of the side effects occur with mental health-style yeah. like SSRI medications for depression. St. John's Ward is probably the most common one. One thing that I see, though, that I wanted to make a point of, one nutrient that does get away from people, especially if they're taking high doses, is B6. Yes. And Um, I've had to pull people off B6 because they'll come and say, my hands are tingly, my feet are tingly, I'm taking all these supplements to try to fix it, and we go through and look. And they've got eight supplements with B6. Yeah. And one of the side effects of high B6 is tingly hands and feet. Yeah, B6... uh, the interesting thing is, the B6 can be very helpful with sleep
1: disorders, mood disorders, and peripheral neuropathy issues. And when taken in excess, it can cause sleep disorders, mood disorders, and peripheral neuropathy issues. So uh, that is one of the things that you have to, that's a tricky one because people might be getting those symptoms and they'll be saying, Oh, I went away when I started B6, but now it's starting to come back. I need more B6. Well, you might be done needing B6. Yeah, it's a Goldilocks zone so like this. Yeah. Yeah. Zinc is that way too. Yeah, zinc is. And if you if you are nauseous when you take zinc, it doesn't mean it's a bad zinc. Uh, take it with food or take it later in the day. Zinc taken early in the morning, uh, the uh, amount of nausea uh, increases drastically. So zinc is very, very important because you actually need zinc to make stomach acid. You need zinc inside the cells to help. Uh,
2: with uh, fighting off all kinds of infections and your immune system response. So zinc is is crucial. Zinc is popular right now, too, um, both with COVID and just illness in general, or sickness in general, viral infections. Yeah. Um, but if you take a lot of zinc, it can also disrupt copper. Yes. And in the long-term, and I've seen this in a few people, long-term high-dose zinc will have a negative impact on the amount of copper that you have. And low copper, we see uh, hormone issues and
1: we see energy issues like fatigue and stuff like that. High copper is more of the anxiety fight or flight, uh, personality, uh, scenario. So also if you take zinc and it displaces some of that copper, when your copper is high in the beginning, it can actually trigger some of those fight or flight things. So people think, Oh, I'm not going to take zinc. Um, generally speaking, you just need to buffer it a little bit more. And we usually recommend, I I use vitamin C and I, I, just slow down the zinc, uh, intake, but, uh, Zinc, copper is another one of those specific things that you have to keep in balance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are good ones, though. Anything else off top of your head, um, like B six, uh, zinc, copper, as far as uh, things that you like to keep an eye
2: on? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good question. I'm thinking through all my nutrients here. Well, some some nutrients will have. Bowel tolerance, mm. meaning that if you take too much of it at once, you'll get loose stool. Magnesium and vitamin C are, are two yes. prime examples of this. And magnesium in particular, if you go and look at the magnesium types um, on a shelf, you'll see magnesium citrate and magnesium malate and magnesium glycinate and porate and three and There's a bunch of yes. them, right? Yeah. And they all have little differences on the way that your body is going to use those. The cheapest supplements are going to have citrate and oxide, which are really good if you are constipated because your gut won't absorb that magnesium very well. It'll stay in your colon, attracting water, and it'll help you have a bowel movement. But if you're trying to use magnesium for sleep, that's not the right kind. Not the right
1: kind. And I was just going to say citrate is the one other scenario I just want to talk about because a lot of people will actually react to citrate. The form of citrate doesn't matter what if it's magnesium or anything else. But if you see the word citrate behind it, and you tend to have a negative reaction to that supplement, then that can be an indication of a corn sensitivity. It can be an indication of uh, fungal problems or fungal issues as well. And you may just need another form. I have many patients who just can't handle citrate from
2: any form, whether it be magnesium, calcium, or any other any other uh, supplement. Our vitamin C IVs we have to scrutinize for corn as well because that can be a corn source and we make sure that ours are not. Yeah. Do you have any other off the top of your head?
1: No, those are, those are the main ones. And uh, we, we talked in in previous podcasts about uh, the cryptopyrrole uh, disorder uh, being B6 and zinc. And so it's kind of ironic that uh, those are the two that we tend to also see and pay attention to as far as getting, uh, getting it in balance. So, it's a big one it's important yeah, definitely. all right i think we did um a pretty good overview there of uh supplements uh, again we encourage everyone to pass this along to any uh friends and family and keep sending in your suggestions and requests um it, it's been going well and we appreciate all of it uh, again you can check out our website uh, www.officialsynapse.com and uh I want you to guys just have a good rest of your week, good month, and thanks for joining us.
0: Thank you for listening to the Synapse Nips podcast. If you like what you heard, subscribe to the podcast and share the podcast. To learn more, check out our website at www.officialsynapse.com. Until next time, this has been Synapse Nips podcast. We'll see you on the next episode. This podcast is for information purposes only and should under no circumstances be considered medical advice or substitute for medical care. Any information given in this podcast is not intended to diagnose or treat any disease and is at the user's own risk. Please first consult a licensed healthcare professional.